0: There are two questions that I get all the time from real estate investors. The first one is, how do I find deals or how do I find more deals? The second one is, How do I get funding for those deals? Well, I've got you covered. I've created a program that will help you find all the deals you could ever want and also how to fund all of those deals. It's called the Real Estate Find and Fund Blueprint. That's right, it's a blueprint that will teach you how to find those deals and how to get them all funded. If you go to findandfundblueprint.com, You can check out the details, you can get signed up. It's a four-week program. I have designed it specifically to make sure that you leave that program with 100% confidence that you can find deals and get them all funded. It's by far the biggest problem that real estate investors have, and they've always had this problem, and I'm here to solve it for you. I wanna get right down into it. We're gonna get into the weeds and talk very, very specific about finding deals and getting them funded. Go check it out findandfundblueprint.com. I can't wait to see you. I really, truly believe with all my heart, if everyone in the world read Extreme Ownership and applied the philosophies and the mindset and the attitudes that will talks about in that book, like our world would be exponentially better. I really believe that. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I'm happy that you're here, and happy to be here with you, and bringing you another live Q and A replay. That is going to be awesome. I know this was uh, one that's going to hit home for a lot of people. We talked about a lot of stuff that a lot of people ask me all the time, honestly. So I think this one is going to hit a lot of buttons with a lot of folks. Uh, we talked about what to do if you're flip property, a property you just renovated and put up for sale. If it doesn't sell, what do you do? What are some options? What are some exit strategies that you can employ, or how can you do things to get that property to actually sell on today's market, which is a hot market, right? So if it's not selling, uh, it's kind of a unique situation. So we talked about that. Uh, We also talked about best practices when following up with leads. If you get leads into your company that you don't immediately get a contract on, what is the best way and the most effective way to follow up on those leads? Uh, We also talked about developing a winning mindset, which I think is hugely important and very underrated. Uh, We talked a little bit about Flip Hacking Live, which is coming up in October. Uh, Flip Hacking Live is the premier real estate event of the year. It's going to be live. It's going to be in Orlando. It's going to be awesome. If you want to check out uh, real quick, if you want to check out uh, how to get tickets for Flip Hacking Live, all you have to do is go to bestrealestateevent.com and you can get your tickets there. And then finally, we talked about how to compensate acquisitions uh, managers, right? Because a lot of times you're bringing these guys on and you're not really sure, do I give them a salary? Do I give them a commission? Do I do both? What does that look like? How much do I pay them? We talked about that. So I think this one is going to be awesome for you guys. We also talked about uh, my program. As you're listening to this um to this episode, it you still have time. You still have time to sign up and get in on the next round. The first round was awesome. We've made some tweaks, we've made some improvements. This round's gonna be even better. And if you want to find out how to get involved in the program that I created for you guys, you just go to Find and Fund Blueprint. Find and fund And you can check out all the details and get signed up there. All right, guys, without any further ado, I give you the latest Facebook Q&A replay. Okay, we are live. Thank you for joining me here again. I appreciate it. Uh, We are here every uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific here to answer your questions. And I am excited to be back for more. Let's see here, guys. Let's uh, turn that down. There we go. All right. Uh, Just a little bit of uh, technical stuff. We always have to take care of in the beginning. It always throws me, but um, I'm back and I'm happy to be here with you guys. Uh, I'm happy that you're joining me and I'm really stoked that you guys are continuing to send in questions that are awesome and interesting and I think really, really helpful for people who are listening here live. And then I also replay this uh, Q&A on my uh, podcast, the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. So you can check it out there if you're interested. Um, but but these are, are a lot of fun to do uh, during the week and it's enjoyable to be able to hang out with you guys and get some questions and talk to you and find out what's on your mind um, and, and help as much. As I possibly can, and I and I think that there's some good stuff happening in these Q and A. So uh, I'm glad you tuned in. If you're here live, that's awesome. If you're listening in on the replay, uh, it would be great to be here live. But the replay is good because you still get the content. So that's awesome. Uh, also, want to let you know that my program is starting again next month. My program for real estate investors. Uh, we are retooling a little bit. We did it once. We had our like beta launch. It was great wildly successful, loved it. Great people, um, tons of learning. And I think it was a huge success, but when you do anything in business, you always try to get better. So we're tweaking it a little bit for the next round. We're trying to add some things that I think, um, would have been good to include in the first round. Um, and then just making sure that it's the very, very, uh, best Thing that I can put out for you to come and take advantage of. Uh, We are going to focus a lot more on finding and funding deals. So it's going to be a little bit renamed: the real estate find and fund blueprint. And I think that's really what people need and want most right now when they're starting out, and also as they grow and scale. It's always about finding deals and funding them. Now, you may be finding deals, but you can't fund them. Or there are people out there, believe it or not, who have the funding. They just can't find deals. So... These are two things that are always a struggle. They always have been. Uh, one of those two things seems to be always a struggle for for folks. And, and some people struggle with both of them, frankly. And even if you're finding deals, <clears throat> you know, if you're tracking numbers and scaling your business and really treating it like a business, you'll find sometimes that you may be getting deals, but you're not getting great leads, like you're paying too much for the leads, or it's just too... The ROI isn't great because you're just overspending on leads or you're wasting a lot of time trying to find leads. So always finding better, cheaper leads, and then finding better, cheaper money. Even if you have funding, how much are you paying? Can you pay a lot less? Can it become less of a hassle to get it? Because time matters, guys. Like I don't know about all of you, but for me, I would rather spend a little bit of money to get back a lot of my time. And I think as you grow and scale your business, you realize time is really the asset that you want to protect with all your energy because money can be raised, it can be made, it can be replaced time can't. So anyways, kind of a long rant, but the program that I have put together, I think was a a smashing success. The first round, the second round, I'm tweaking it to make it even more valuable. And so you can go and check that out. Uh, If you want to go to, uh, you you can still go to businessfasttrackblueprint.com and check it out and sign up. Uh, we will be kicking that second round off, I believe September 7th. So go and, go and check it out and, uh, reserve your spot. I can't, I can't have an unlimited amount of people sign up, even though that sounds counterintuitive to a business person that you have to restrict. But in this case, you kind of do, I can't have 300 people in the program. Like I can't have hundred people. Probably it's just, it get it gets difficult. So. I'm going to cut it off at a point where I feel like it's reasonable. I don't know where that is yet, but go and sign up before there's the opportunity. Is not there. And, and frankly, um, after that September round, I don't know when we're going to do it again. Probably not till after the first of the year. If you haven't hit your goals this year in 2021, do not give up. The year is not over. I say, never say die, like you have an opportunity to hit your goals. I know people that are on pace to do double what their goal was. So if you haven't gotten to the point where you think you're gonna be able to hit your goal, believe me, we still have time. There's time guys, don't give up, don't give up. Because if you give up, it's easy to give up next year when you make your goal, if things don't go right, or you just, you know, there's there's a pattern of just sort of like giving up and, and that's not what you want as a person or as a business owner. Uh, so go sign up. Let me help you hit your goals this year. Let's make an attempt to do that first. <clears throat> okay. Like I said, as usual, you guys send in great questions and I'm excited to be able to answer those. I see uh, Bob sleeves is on the, on the uh, live here, Bob, how's it going? I just met Bob a few months ago. He is, uh, uh, crushing it in his market. Um, uh, good to have you on here, buddy. Okay. Uh, I have let's see. First question. I have never been a big fan of buy and hold. However, I have one flipped property that is not selling. One flip property is not selling. Instead of leaving it on the market, I was thinking I would just rent it. Do you have any suggestions and do a good process for this? Um, <clears throat> I don't know that it's a process necessarily. If you can't sell something and, and it and it makes sense as a rental, like, you know, I, I would look at it and see does it mat, does it meet the two percent or even the one percent rule? Um, meaning is the rent at least at least minimally 1% of your all in number your purchase and renovation of that property like what do you have into that property now if the rent that you can get is at least 1% and in some markets 2% is really the the benchmark if you can hit those those benchmarks 1 or 2% rule and and you don't need to to pay the money back to anybody anytime soon, or you think it will appraise and you can cash somebody out of it, then go for it. But I would be real, real concerned if you can't sell a house in this market, there's a a problem. Now you can rent it and that may solve the problem that you're dealing with, which is I can't get it sold. But my guess is if you can't sell it in this market, you're asking too much. And if you're asking too much, it's possible. I don't know, because I don't, I don't have the ability to ask deeper questions, but my guess is you bought it too high. Maybe your innovation went over budget. I don't know, that's just a guess. And now what you need to sell it for is more than the market will bear. But unfortunately, we are in a very, very much a seller's market. And so sellers are able to sell their house for so much more than they could have even a few years ago. So if you can't sell a house in this market, if it's on the market and it's not selling in this market, I think you're asking too much. So either lower your price or just realize "Ah, I, I spent too much on the front end and now with what I have into it, it's not, I can't sell it for what it's actually worth and so I have to rent it, right? <clears throat> because in you know 10 years ago, I could, if you said, I can't sell my house, I I, I got it. It was tough. House prices were declining. It was, it was a real struggle. But in this market, everything's flying off the market or flying off the shelves for people for the most part. So um, if you want to flip it over to a rental, I just say, make sure that you're, you're all in number. That rent that you're going to get is at least 1%. And if you're in like a Midwest kind of a you know market where it's not you know, hyper crazy high um, prices, you might even be able to get closer to 2%. Most of my rentals hit that 2% number because I'm in, a, I'm in the Midwest and I just have the ability to do that. So <clears throat> just be careful um, that you're not getting out of one, fire and into another one meaning you can't sell your house so you go to rent it and then you can't really rent it for enough and then renters beat it up and you're not making a lot of cash flow it's not appreciating because you bought it super high or whatever you know you can get into those kind of weird situations too so just make sure it's a solid rental if you're going to rent it and be honest with yourself about rentals i've talked about this in past q a's but remember there's going to be probably some vacancy there's going to be some maintenance stuff, although you just flipped it. so maybe there won't be any maintenance stuff. I don't know what the like furnace or hot water heater or the roof, the windows. if you didn't replace all those, those could potentially go bad at some point. Um, and then if you have property management fees like in taxes and insurance, like make sure' you're, you're doing all the calculations before you decide it makes it, that it makes a good rental if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I need suggestions on follow-up timeframes, like how many times in the first two weeks, et cetera, your lead manager is following up with the new lead. And how many times does your acquisitions manager follow up with a lead before pushing it back to the lead manager? So typically what we do is um, we're following up in that first week or two, depending on how hot the lead was. If it was somebody who said, You know, I I got I've got to sell my house. I'm desperate. I need you to buy it. Um, but maybe they said, Hey, I gotta talk to my wife, you know, before I have you come out, or you know, I'm I'm in the car, I can't hear you, let me call you back. You know, like something weird where they needed a little bit of time, but they were super, super ready to sell. Like they just blabbed it all on the phone, like, I need to sell, like, I need you to buy my house. I'm desperate. I gotta go, gotta go. I would follow up with that person relentlessly for a week. Like I would call, text, and email every day for a week until I got back a hold of them because they're ready to go and the first person to get on the phone or get in their house is, is going to buy it right um if their lead is a little bit less hot you know they're just mildly interested then my lead manager might only follow up for a week at the most like lead managers typically will follow up for 2 weeks maximum um it's really not a matter of how long do they follow up because they'll almost always follow up for at least a week or two but it's how hot was the lead. How ready to go was that seller determines how many times a day or how many times a week that they're going to reach out to them. Um, if they if they weren't very hot at all, like you know, they were very, very minimally interested and kind of not really so much. They might just follow up once or twice the first week, maybe once the second week, and then put them into a long term drip campaign where they get a text or an email like, once every couple of weeks, right? It's not going to be super aggressive, but if they were really, really hot lead, we're going to follow up relentlessly with them. And then at some point, after a couple of weeks maximum, the acquisition person should jump in there and start doing the same thing and trying to trying to get hold of them. Um, and sometimes, if we can't get a hold of them, we'll we have gone out to the house and put a note on the door. Hey, you reached out. You seem interested. We'd love to talk to you. Here's my phone number. Here's my email address. Like we'll put a thing on the door, right? Because they'll see that for sure. And most of your competitors are not going to do that. So I would say um, the lead manager should follow up for depending on how hot the lead is for a week or two. Um, and if they're really not calling back, we might just put them into a drip campaign. The, the acquisition manager usually doesn't get involved until they have interfaced with the seller. So it doesn't go from the lead manager to the acquisitions. It goes lead manager follows up until it's kind of a cold lead. And then it goes into like an automated follow-up sequence. But once the acquisition manager, talk, manager talks to a seller, let's just say they get on the phone because they want to make an appointment, lead manager talks to them, they're super ready to go. They have an appointment. The appointment gets canceled or postponed for whatever reason. Now the lead manager is the doing the follow-up on that, right? So lead managers only follow up once they've actually spoken or engaged with the seller. And if the seller goes kind of goes dark or kind of cools down or whatever, doesn't return calls or whatever, then the lead manager will keep up with it at that point. <clears throat> so we keep those two separate until the lead manager engages and then it becomes their lead to follow up on. Okay, <clears throat> next question. I listened to your interview with Brandon Turner this week, and he talked a lot about the importance of having the right mindset. Do you have some suggestions on books to read or people to listen to on YouTube to help with that? Um, yeah, I actually, <clears throat> I saw this question before we logged on here. And so, cause I wanted to really give this some thought. So some of the books that I jotted down that I have read that I find really, really um, good for mindset And they may not, some of them you'll recognize, you probably recognize all of them, but not all of these are the ones that everyone always recommends necessarily. There's a few in here that maybe not. Um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's a classic. So I would definitely recommend that. It's absolutely worth reading. I think it's changed a lot of people's perspective and mindset in business quite a bit. Um, The next one is called, I'm gonna get a drink because I'm really coughing. The next one is called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Jocko was a Navy seal. Uh, he's an extremely motivational guy. I met him in person was able to sit by him at a, at a dinner uh, at one of our seven figure flipping events. He came to uh flip hacking live uh, a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Incredible guy. I really, truly believe with all my heart, if everyone in the world read extreme ownership and applied the philosophies and the mindset and the attitudes that Jocko talks about in that book, like our world would be exponentially better. I really believe that. I, I think the idea, the top level idea of extreme ownership is essentially you take responsibility for everything. Everything is your fault. Uh, if something goes wrong, you don't look to blame other people. You don't try to figure out who you can blame and how you can get out of it. You take responsibility for everything. There's, there's something you could have done in most situations that involve you that, you you could have changed the outcome. And so the idea is we just don't point fingers. We don't blame. We take extreme ownership. We take ownership of everything. Can you imagine if you're listening to this and you're a business owner and you have a team or employees, people that work for you, if everyone on the team took 100% responsibility for everything, Like how amazing that could be if your kids did that, if your spouse did that, if your boyfriend, girlfriend did that, if your friends did that, like how much of a better world would it be if if no one ever blamed anybody and they took responsibility for what happened to them and around them. They didn't blame the government. They didn't blame the way they grew up. They didn't blame any of their circumstances of their life. And they just took ownership. Hey, I'm not where I want to be. It's my fault. It's me. It's on me. I need to do something about it. Or this got screwed up. You know, I went through a divorce. That was my fault was anybody else's fault. Um, you know, whatever I, I got, I got a car accident. It's my fault. It wasn't the other drivers. Like it's my fault. I could have done something different to change that. So it's just, a, it's a great concept. So that's one of them. Um, another one is called who moved my cheese by Spencer Johnson. I think it's an excellent book for mindset. I read it years ago and it had a big impact on me. Uh, I would highly recommend that book who moved my cheese by Spencer Johnson. And, uh, the next one is The 4-Hour work week, Tim Ferriss. I think a lot of people dismiss this because it's kind of a cliche and it's, you know, people I think it's, Tim Ferriss even said he doesn't work four hours a week. The, the book wasn't meant to be taken literal, like literally you can work four hours a week. You can, and the principles can help you do that, but I heard him in interviews more than once say, it wasn't meant to be taken 100% literal. It's the concept of how you can get some of your time back. I said just a few minutes ago, your time should be your most guarded and precious asset. And that book will help open up your mind and, and give you a broader perspective of how you can go about getting things done. Everything you do doesn't have to be on your back. It doesn't have to be done on, you know, you doing it on your time. There are other ways to get things done in this world. And I think that book has inspired tons of people to hire VAs, for example, right? That's a big thing in the book is talking about hiring VAs. People have done that with great success. And it's and it's a great way to, to get things done in your business. So the, the four-hour week, week, work week is huge. Um, I didn't write down any... Um, YouTube channels, what I listen to on YouTube for like mindset and motivation is literally, if you type into YouTube, like motivational speeches, I'll listen to those and they're, they're sort of random. And a lot of times they're like uh, a medley of, you know, uh, tons of this, like all these different speeches, parts of them put into one long thing and I'll listen to it, uh, when I run or when I walk, I like listening to them in the morning because I, I find them very motivating. I really like doing that. Um, but the thing with motivation and, motiv- and motivational videos and, and audio and stuff like that, motivation is very temporary. Um, you know, it's, it's the sugar of, of all motivation like mo- motivation itself is like sugar, I guess I should say is a better way of saying it. It, it gives you energy, it gets you revved up for a while. And then you end up, Going back to where we were, or maybe even a little lower, because it's motivation is temporary. You need you need to keep that going, keep that constant, and get your mind in the right spot. So I do listen to YouTube motivational speeches and things like that. <clears throat> I find them good. As far as podcasts go, I mean, obviously the Just Start Real Estate podcast for mindset, but um, I also listen to the Gary Vee audio experience. I I really Gary Vee is not for everybody. Um, some people are are put off by him, his language and stuff. You know, he uses a lot of four-letter words, but I find Gary V to be extremely motivating. I, I like that direct, sort of in-your-face, don't hold any punches, you know, kind of um, checking people with their with their BS and with their excuses. I, I, there's nothing I hate worse than excuses. It just it, I, I just feel like I can feel my my mind just shutting down when people start giving excuses. I can't I can't listen to it. And Gary, uh, his podcast is great for just kind of resetting your mind a little bit. So. Those are the ones that I that came to mind. I'm sure there's others if I really, really thought about it, but um, those are the ones that came to mind for me. All right, next question. I know Flip packing Live is coming in a couple of months. Yes, it is. It's on October 14th through the 17th in Orlando. Get your tickets. Go to bestrealestateevent.com to get your tickets. Um, that's not the question. Okay, I know it's coming in a couple of months. I have never been, and I don't know if I can afford it. Can you give me some details? on what it is like and how I might benefit from it. Yeah. So Flip Hacking Live, uh, I have spoken at every single one. Uh, I I will be speaking to this one too. Flip Hacking Live is really really unique and quite remarkable in that it's three days of nonstop presenters on stage who are giving you actual step-by-step processes and breaking down their business in a way that is usable and actionable. And so what typically happens is we will find uh, people um, in our community, uh, in the seven figure flipping community, or people outside the community who are just really, really great at something, some part of their business. It could be marketing, it could be sales, it could be hiring, it could be um, just scaling a business in general. It could be about how to kind of get started in real estate. It could be a lot of different things, but we find someone who's remarkable, somebody who's just outstanding in their business in certain aspects of, of real estate investing or in business. And we'll put them on stage And the mandate for that person is I want you to give, 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 give information away freely, be transparent, just give tons and tons and tons and tons of value and then say thank you and get off stage. I mean, essentially, right? Like it's three days of people going up on stage and just really laying out for you how they're successful in their business, what they're doing, what their superpower is, what you can do to to emulate and to copy what they're doing. Like they just give away all of the secrets. They just give and give and give for three days. And there's no other event that I've ever been to that has the quality and the volume of excellent, actionable content actionable advice, actionable tactics and strategies and just the blueprint for how to be successful in real estate. I mean, the question is, how, how do I know if I can afford it? It sounds like a cliche, but I swear to you, I swear to you, I don't know how you can afford not to go because you know, to be in the seven-figure flipping group, it's an expensive group if you want to join the mastermind, okay? Now, everything's relative, right? Um, so I, I say it's expensive. I, I think it's worth 10 times what it costs to be in the group, but it's still a bigger ticket item. To go to flip hacking live, I think the tickets just went up and they're gonna go up again, by the way. So the ticket flip hacking live starts off at a price point, and then every two or three months it goes up a little bit until we get to the day of the event. So I, I tell people all the time: flip hacking live tickets are the cheapest today that they're going to be this year. They're never gonna be cheaper than they are this year, never. They're only gonna be more expensive in another month or two. Well, two months we're gonna be there. So I think like in another month it's probably gonna go up again. So if you go to uh, bestrealestateevent.com, get your tickets now. I promise you will thank me, I promise you. You can get on this Q&A when we get back from that event, when I get back and and you get back if you go. And I welcome you to say on on the Q&A for everyone to see, If you don't think it was worth the price of the ticket and more, probably a lot more, but at least it was worth what you paid, I challenge you, come back here and tell me it wasn't worth it. And and I'll address that and we'll talk about it. And I'll give you the chance to tell me exactly why it wasn't worth it. Because I promise you, by the time those three days are over with, you're going to be blown away. And you are going to be so psyched and so ready to go back and crush it. I know people who have gone to Flip Hacking Live, just Flip Hacking Live. They went, then they went home and they applied what they learned at Flip Hacking Live and built big businesses from scratch just from what they learned there. So guys, I can't say enough about it. That event is the best real estate event on earth, bar none, no garbage, no fluff, no bad presentations or bad speakers or, or bad content and i've been to I've been to real estate events that had really 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 subpar presenters people they put on stage that should never have been on stage ever flip hacking live is not that way every single presenter could present anywhere and be probably the best person at that other event like they're that good. I really do think that. And the great thing is, they're not all professional speakers. That's not the point. These aren't the matter of fact. Most of them are not people who speak ever, except at this event, because they're just business owners. They're crushing it. They're making a lot of money. They're they're just absolutely changing their lives of their family. Uh, they're spending time with their family. They have financial freedom. They have freedom of time and where they spend their time and decisions they can make. Anything they want to do. And, and they speak because they love our community. They love us. They love the people who put it on. And so they speak there. So you're not going to get these people anywhere else anyway, for the most part. So going to this event is, is absolutely the smartest thing you can do this year. So you have to do it. I mean, you just have to. Um, so go there and check it out. Okay. How should I compensate an acquisition manager? Are they employees or independent contractors? Any tips for finding one? They can be either. They can be employees or, or independent contractors. I think most people I know hire acquisition reps as uh, independent contractors. Um, but you don't have to. I mean, you can pay them a W-2 salary. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we did that for a while. Then we went back to independent contractors just because... Um, it just made sense uh, for us. We were asking them, you know, we weren't providing cars and we were providing gas, like we weren't doing any of that. And it just, it just made sense for us um, from a business structure standpoint to go independent contractor. So you can do either one, just, just understand if you're calling them independent contractors, but you're requiring them to show up at, at a certain time, work a certain number of hours. They can't work for anybody else. Like you're, you're providing them, you know, the materials to do their job. Like, there's there's a whole set of guidelines that you have to be aware of when you're when you're designating someone a con, an independent contractor. So the idea is the government doesn't want you to say they're an independent contractor so that you can avoid paying all of the things that you have to pay the government when you call them a W2 employee. So some people will have them, uh, someone who's technically like, according to the guidelines, they're really W-2, but they're calling them independent contractors. So they don't have to pay like, you know, um, just like unemployment and stuff like that. Like they don't want to have to do that. So be careful. You're not just calling them independent contractors, but treating them like a W-2 employee. If you're treating them like a W-2 employee, then they probably are. And your, your CPA can give you you know how to the guidelines. Well, what does it mean if they're independent contractor versus W two? So you can do either one. The question is, how do you find one? That's a totally different question. Um, we've always had good um, luck with Indeed, the hiring uh, service. Indeed, um, there's another service called Wise Hire that you can use. That I know a lot of people use successfully. But the idea here is, you want to hire someone who. Whose superpower or whose skill set is sales? I think it's a mistake to, to hire someone who's not a salesperson and put them in a sales role and expect good things to happen. I'm not a salesperson. It's not my skill set. I can do it in a pinch and I certainly did it in my company until I was able to hire somebody and I did okay. But I did okay because I own the company if you hire somebody like me in your company and expect me to do well in sales, you're gonna be disappointed because I'm not a salesperson. So do they have to be a rockstar salesperson, like just crushing it and world beater? No, and in fact, it might be tough for you to get that person unless you have a real healthy deal flow and you have a business that's scaled up enough to support someone who's a rockstar killer salesperson. So chances are, if that's not you and you're a little bit smaller, or maybe it's just you right now, you're going to have to hire someone who is a salesperson who has the sales skill set skillset, and they have the scale of the sales personality but maybe they're just not proven yet you know kind of a diamond in the rough like that's really probably where most people are um but we use a service called um called the culture index it's a uh, it's a personality assessment basically. It's a lot like the DISC if you if anybody's familiar with the DISC or the Colby. So these are these are personality assessment tests that essentially um, help you understand what a person is sort of like under the hood, like what is their personality type? Like what are they really like what's deep inside of them? Like what really makes them tick. Um, and we use those tests to help us better assess whether or not a salesperson or anybody who's coming into our company is a good fit for that role. So you might want to look into those personality assessments and make sure you're getting someone who's really, really good. But I would also want someone who has a a, a, a sales history. And, and maybe they don't have like the, the longest history or a, a lot of experience. Experience or a lot of credentials, but at least make sure that sales is their background because it is a sales job, and you want a salesperson to do a sales job. So um, you can find one like on Wise Hire, Indeed. I talked about those two. Um, Craigslist. I mean, I know it's kind of crazy, but people still use Craigslist to hire hire and find people. You you can you know, but you, you have to go through a process of interviewing them. And I do an a phone interview like a 10 15 minute phone interview so i can quickly assess if this person is absolutely the wrong person for the job i can i can kind of you know flush them out before i have to spend an hour or two hours in front of them so i'm pretty careful to phone interview people first and if i don't like them on the phone i doubt i'm going to like them in person and then I do an interview in person. Usually, I'll do the interview in person, and I'll pick like the top maybe two or three people that I really, really like that I would be willing to hire any of them. And then my partner will do the final interview, and he'll decide which one of those three that I said I'll take any one of these three. He'll decide which one of those three makes the most sense, and we will have a conversation for sure. But um, typically, he makes that decision, and then it works in reverse. If, if we're hiring somebody for him, then he'll do the first interview, and I'll do the second one. So. Um, but I think hiring a salesperson is key. Don't hire an operations person and put him in sales. That's not a good a good way to go. I'm not saying it can never work. I'm just saying you're really stacking the deck against yourself. Pick someone who's, you know like the disk profile, if, if you're familiar with the disk, I, I would want somebody with a so, sort of a high D and a high I. S and C can be low and probably will be if you have a high D, high I. So that's good. You want someone who's a hard driver, someone who's really driven for success. They're competitive. They need to win. And then high I indicates that they have good social ability. They like to talk. They like people. They enjoy that interaction. So you get someone who must win, who's good with people. That's a good salesperson. That's a really good salesperson. And honestly, on the disc, that's D and I, S is uh, like stands for like steady, like how steady the person is or how how patient they are. And so somebody with a low S is kind of good in this situation because they need to win, they like people and they don't have a lot of um, tolerance for things dragging on and taking so long. So they're going to want to get the contract on that first meeting, which is ideal anyways, right? So that's like a good profile of an acquisitions person, in my opinion. Okay, next question. I really want to make an investment in real estate, but I am not sure if it's the right move. Do you ever feel like this starting out? Yeah, I felt like that starting out. I, I this is super well documented with me. It took me five years to get started. I knew I wanted to do real, I knew I wanted to do real estate in two thousand and three. Bought my first house in two thousand and eight. So I spent five years feeling like I didn't know if it was the right thing to do or not. And you know, at the end of the day, it cost me couple million dollars to, to wait like that if I just look back and kind of apply today's dollars what am I making how much business am I doing like what kind of profits and revenue do we have and just so, sort of say like what would it have meant if I could have started you know five years sooner and it was' it's, it's, it's a couple million dollars I cost myself so yeah everyone sort of feels you know kind of nervous when they're starting out but now is the right time five years ago was the right time. And five years from now will be the right time for people who are trying to decide right then if it's the right time. You know, it's a kind of a cliche, but it's one that I really like and I really think it makes sense. And to answer this question using that cliche, it is now the right time. Well, the best time to start in real estate was 10 years ago. The next best time is right now, okay? And if you ask me this question five years, I'll say the best time was 10 years ago. And the next best time is right now, so if you want to do it, do it. Stop thinking so much about it. I'm not saying don't get educated, but don't, don't, don't stress out about when it's right. Right? It, it's there's a million reasons to not get started, and there's a million reasons to get started. It'll always be that way. I can give you a great argument for starting, and then you can probably throw some some you know things up that would be your your argument for not starting. Right? If you look for excuses, you'll find them. If you look for excuses, you'll find them. Don't look for excuses. Look for solutions. Look for how it can be done and do it. Yeah. Now's a great time. Um, I'm always unsure. Like, of course, when I got started, I was unsure. Most people are unsure when they get started. But I'm telling you, you'll regret not doing something at the end of your life like living with regret of what if, what if I would have started? What if I would have listened to that dude on that Q and A, that Facebook Q and A uh, back in 2021 in, in August, what if I would have listened to him and actually done something and, and how, what could that have been like? But instead, I went through the rest of my life wondering if I could have done, it or if I should have done it because I kept finding reasons not to do it. And I know plenty of people who always tell me reasons why they're not getting started in a real estate. They're telling me like, I'm going to sympathize with them. I don't. But they'll still tell me all the reasons why they can't get started yet. But in the in the next you know three months from now, two months from now, a month from now, a week from now, five years from now, I'm going to do it. And then when that comes, they always have a reason why they can't do it yet. All right, it's just it's a horrible cycle, and it's like psychologically defeating. And you know, there was a question about mindset and books to read. Like read those books, immerse yourself in the right mindset. Surround yourself with people who do take action. People who are you know all about achieving their goals. like Surround yourself with those people. And this question won't even be a question for you anymore. You'll just do it. Okay. Next question. What is the most amount of houses you owned at once when flipping or wholesaling? How did you push yourself to buy more than one at a time? It wasn't hard for me to push myself to buy more than one at a time. After I did my first deal back in 2008, I think I sold it in 2009. But after I did my first deal, I was ready to do multiple deals. Like I, I was just really excited. And I was really motivated. And I really wanted to get out there and do it. Um, The question was, how many have I owned at one time? I don't even know if I know, to be honest with you, because once my business got ramped up, I, I started hiring and building a team. And so I wasn't like counting how many at one time. I would say if I had to guess, I'm thinking back when we kind of had the most we've ever had, I wanna say, and and this was wholesaling too. So these were coming and going fast. So I really ramped, I didn't ramp up my business and really scale it up as a flipper. I scaled it up as a wholesaler. And so wholesaling, you get the property under contract and, and we usually find a buyer and get it out the door and off our books within a a month. So four weeks, usually the most. So these things are coming and going so fast. I never really clock how many are there at one time, but I do remember when I was doing dispositions, when I was finding buyers and I had to do buyer marketing, I think the most we ever had at one time was like 25, somewhere in that range, 25, 26, something like that. Um, And it was crazy. It was, we were just, just going like crazy, like madmen trying to trying to get all these things, you know, sold and get to the closing and all that was nuts. So um, I think 25 at a time was probably the most we ever had. So anyway, something like that. Now you're making me just try to like remember, but I think that's pretty close because I remember the biggest problem we had back then, which is a good problem is how do we get all these properties in front of our buyers as soon as possible without flooding them, without sending them, you know, 10 in one day because they're going to get missed. They're going to fall through the cracks. People aren't going to see all these emails. And if we send them one email with tons of properties on them, sometimes they don't always see all those. It becomes a little bit like, you know, if you're listening to a great song and then you turn on five other radios in the room, it's hard to pay attention to one song. It's sort of like they all just blend and it's like, Ugh, I can't listen to any of them. Sometimes that's how marketing can be. So if you overwhelm your buyers with way too many properties at once, it can be overwhelming and they just do nothing. So, my challenge back then was how do I, how do I feed these out to my buyers, and not have them sitting around without being marketed for very long. It's it was a good problem, but it was a problem. So, anyways, you're just making me think. It was about twenty five, something like that. Okay. Um, how do you find homes for sale besides sites like Zillow? Well, I don't. I mean. I'm assuming you're not talking about to buy a personal home, right? If you're talking about buying a personal home, go to a realtor, or go to Zillow or Trulia. Like that's that's how you find houses. But if you're talking about as an investor, which I'm assuming that's what you're doing, if you're talking about as an investor, I don't look on Zillow really for homes. You can if you're a house flipper for sure. So it 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 differs a little bit if you're wholesaling or house flipping. If you're a house flipper, the MLS is an option for you. So. If I am a house if I was a pure house flipper, I would probably have a couple 2 or 3 realtors always looking for houses or more. Like you should be networking with realtors all the time and have a whole team of them looking for houses for you all the time. But at least one or two would be looking, you know, like I would get a hold of them right away and have them constantly looking. You can certainly look on Zillow. Right now is not a great time to find houses on the MLS or Zillow because houses are so so expensive. Like all prices have just skyrocketed, and so it's real tough to find good investment properties on the MLS right now. Getting them off market is how I've really always done it since my proper or since my business has been scaled up. Um, and I've been over that you know hundred houses a year, million dollar profit years. Like we we find them off market, so we go direct to seller with direct mail or um, Google pay per click. Um, people, we we've used, we do use, and have used cold calling, text blast, ringless voicemail. We've used bandit signs in the past. So this is how we typically find most of our deals. And I would say, you know, in the last six years of these six hundred or so deals that my company has done over the last six years, I would say eighty percent of them, seventy-five to eighty percent of those deals have been direct mail. We've gotten them through direct mail. Mm-hmm. Um, Over the last year, we've gotten way more pay-per-click leads than we have in the past. So that's a really, really great option too, if you have the the budget for that. So... um... Yeah, Direct Mail and Paper Click have been the two most successful, successful lead generating uh, marketing channels that we've done. So that that's what I would say. Zillow is not great right now. Um, if the market turns and prices go down and or steady or whatever, like Zillow might be a good place if you're a house flipper. But if you're a land or if you're a, a wholesaler, Zillow in the MLS isn't really a great option, obviously. You gotta go straight to straight to the seller for those. So um, but yeah, Zillow is fine if you're looking for a personal home, I guess. <clears throat> okay, do you put appliances in your flips? Why or why not? I never have. Um, you could make a really good argument that I should have when the market was struggling, like it was a buyer's market, and and I was people were struggling as a seller. That would have been a good time for me to do it if I was going to. I never did. But in this market, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, houses are just so flying off the shelf and prices are so high and the inventory is so low that I don't see why you would have to right now. I just don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. I really don't. I don't see how it's going to significantly help you. The only way it might is if you have kind of a weird house and you just want to show people how it could be staged so that they can imagine it. But the more you do to my opinion has always been the more you do to a house in terms of staging, the harder you're making it for the sellers to see their stuff in the house, if that makes sense. Now, if you, you know, if you need to show how this house could be staged because maybe it's not obvious how you would stage it, or there's a little, it's like weird layout or something, then maybe staging could be good. Or, like I said, in a market that's sluggish, where it's a little harder to sell houses, sometimes staging can make people see the potential of a house. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't think it's important. Right. I just don't think it's a good idea right now. But, you know, somebody might disagree with me. That's fine. I just in this market, like you can almost throw any house on the market right now and watch it go like crazy. So, you know, I don't think it's necessary. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother doing it. You know, I I always, sometimes I say, if you ask my opinion, I would say you don't have to do it, but clearly you're asking my opinion. We're on a Q and a, and you're asking me, there's nobody else here and there's nobody to argue with me. So I'm telling you, don't do it. Just do a good job in the rehab. Do a really good rehab and don't worry about staging it. I, I think sometimes people stage to hide imperfections, honestly. So just do a really, really good rehab. And I don't think you'll have any troubles. Um, guys, if you haven't heard, if you don't know, of a little uh company in a in a, in a website called Bigger Pockets. Uh, they are obviously the biggest real estate community on the internet. Um, they have the biggest real estate podcast on earth. Uh, I am lucky enough to be friendly with uh, Brandon Turner, who is the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. He was just on my show. It went live this past Monday, August 2nd. It was a really, really fun interview and really informative. Uh, Brandon is, is just really, really interesting, smart guy who had a lot to share with our audience. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go and do it now, go to just start real estate on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, MikeSimmons.com and click on the podcast uh, link and you can go and listen to it there, but you guys should check it out. It was a really, really great podcast. Uh, Brandon is, is a very, very sought after guy to have speak. He's a keynote speaker. Um, He's interviewed some of the most amazing real estate investors in the world, and uh, I was uh, fortunate to have him on the podcast. So go check it out if you haven't. Uh, Also, don't forget, we are here every Wednesday. If you stumbled upon this um, by accident and you didn't know we were going to be here, uh, that's cool. I'm happy to have you. But we're here every Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Pacific. Also, if you want to check out my new program, I talked about it at the beginning of this. I won't do it again. You can go back and listen if you want to hear about it. But I am helping folks achieve their goals in real estate investing this year, right now. And you really should go check it out. You can go to businessfasttrackblueprint.com and check it out and see what it's all about and sign up. I think you should if you are struggling at all with your business, growing it, starting it, finding deals, funding deals, or anything in between. Go check it out. I'm going to help you get to your goals this year. That is my that is my goal and my target for you. So go check it out, guys. We'll see you here next week at the same time. All right. Until next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.